Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial subscription, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hello. Yay, you're here. I was legitimately concerned for a second because you took a little longer than <laughs> usual, and we have been struggling with technical difficulties. But luckily, our guest today has been very patient with those technical difficulties and is very excited to talk with us about American fiction. It's Sarah Vincent. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I am very excited that I actually saw the movie that you're here to talk about so I can take part this time. time. I'm thrilled to be back. I'm psyched to be talking about this movie. I'm just like, I'm, I've got my bells on. I'm here with bells on. You are psyched and thrilled and you have bells on. Totally. And you're not in a psych ward, which can only mean that you're on the <laughs> film stage show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they let us run free. This is true. <laughs> yes. To the detriment of all who listen. Um, today we are here to talk about American fiction. This is uh, the new film from writer-director Cord Jefferson based on the novel by Percival Everett. The novel is actually called Erasure. But um you know, if you can make a movie and name it American something, by God, you're going to call it American something. So they retitled it for theaters. Movie stars Jeffrey Wright. Excited to talk about it. Before we get into all that, though, let's get reacquainted with our guest. Sarah, would you like to tell the people at home a little about yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Sarah Vincent. I am in Cambridge, Massachusetts. My day job. Yes, Cambridge in the house. <laughs> Um, my day job is an attorney and I also review movies. I just renovated my website, sarahgvincentviews.com. It looks snazzy. I am officially of today and not the early 21st century. It is super exciting. So please visit it. Um, and also I write for Cambridge Day and I've also expanded and I'm writing for In Between Drafts, which is a national labor of love publication. Also, I write for Awards Watch and I recently joined, I'm currently a member of the Boston Society of Film Critics and I recently joined the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, um, among many other things, TV, radio, all over. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so I'm just like really, but I'm always psyched to be back here because I get to talk as long as we want. That's Hell so exciting. Yeah. And I am on sarahgvincentviews.com. Very snazzy. What else? Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the film stage show to give us your money. For as little as a $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel where we are currently talking about Nick Newman's review of Dune 2. In uh, ways both kind and not kind. Sorry, Nick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, you can get in on that by going to patreon.com slash filmstageshow. And we are brought to you by Mubi, uh, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime 
anywhere. A movie that is connected to today's film, I would say in a number of ways, either direct or lateral, is Sorry to Bother You. This uh, 2018 film from Boots Riley is on movie right now. The synopsis, Oakland, California. Dateline. Uh, telemarketer Cash Screen discovers a magical key. It For whatever reason, the synopsis just begins. Oakland, California. Period. That's not how you begin a synopsis. Anyway, Oakland, California. Telemarketer Cash Screen discovers a magical key to professional success. As Green's career takes off, his friends and coworkers organize a protest against corporate oppression, but Cassius is under the spell of a CEO who offers him a salary beyond his wildest dreams. Our take. For his anarchic feature debut, writer-director Boots Riley throws everything at the screen. A satirical firecracker with a magnificent subject performance from Lakeith Stanfield, Sorry to Bother You is a provocative interrogation of white privilege mounted with boundless energy and imagination. Have we all seen this movie? I have. I have, and it was my favorite movie that year. I don't remember. Was that 2019? So this is 2018. I don't know if that's festival time or like full release time. That was my, whatever year it was, that was my favorite movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Robin, did you see this movie? I have not. Wow. Wait, I'm sorry. Yes, I did. I totally forgot (laughs) I did see it. I was going to say, it's sorry to bother you, not sorry we missed you. (laughs) <laughs> no no i definitely seen it I, it's just one of those movies that i remember like literally two things about it and i wasn't super impressed i found it interesting i will leave it at that uh go back and listen to our episode on it that was actually a really interesting conversation and it's the kind of movie that is ambitious possibly to a fault but it's super awesome and everyone should see it it is at the very least super entertaining and uh Lakeith stanfield is in fact an incredible actor so check that out. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a 30-day trial subscription to MUBI. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage for a 30-day trial subscription. That is that. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Robin, any updates in your life before we jump into this? Um, no, I haven't seen too many movies in the last couple of weeks. We've been traveling a bit, so uh, yes, uh, yeah, not not much to report. Fun. Uh, I think I saw you at Drive Away Dolls. Yes, <laughs> which we will be talking about on the pod. So oh shit, we are. Oh, okay. Yeah. God, Teaser. why do I not know these things? Next, Teaser. like Wednesday. Wait, I thought the next thing we were doing was the top ten episode. Yeah, we have to do that this weekend so that we can move on to drive away dolls for next minute. You know, your nap is really fucking up my world, Robin. (laughs) Well, your barfing fucked up nothing, really. Um, Oh, I was hoping that you were going to say that, like, the last two days have been hell for you because you thought I was so mad at you. I was. I kept checking that the Slack just being like, damn, he didn't even emoji it at all. (laughs) <laughs> Not even a single screamy face or skull. Oh, like, or wow, passive aggressivo. But um, no, I was the... just violently ill. <laughs> just check the calendar, dude. I'm check looking at it right now. Tuesday, February the 27th. Drive away dolls. I, I, right. I got to figure out when the fuck I'm going to see that movie. Then it's short. Uh, it's only like 80 something minutes. Oh, and the good. longest 80 something minutes of my life. <laughs> All right. Well, now I have to watch it because I'm either going to agree with Robin or I'm going to violently disagree with Robin. (laughs) 
I love the dildos. Anyway, yeah, if you were like, it's fine, I would be like, oh, damn it. <laughs> but the fact that you have feelings I in have italics. fully fifis about this movie. Okay, that Maybe. makes me at once more and less excited. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm worried you're going to say that again. So yeah, I we were supposed fifis. to record our top 10 films of 2023 episode already pretty late. On February 18th. <laughs> Oopsie and now it's going to be even more later. Oh, uh, uh, anyway. Um, I have a friend who recently visited Germany and he keeps calling the Holocaust the Oopsie Doopsie. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Why? Oh, no, not because he feels that way about the Holocaust, but because like his. Um, his interpretation of Germany's experience of the holocaust is like he's like at every everywhere you turn in germany there's like a memorial or some kind of reference to our oopsie doopsie and i just that made me laugh so much like i would like to remind the listening audience that robin herself is jewish she's allowed to say all <laughs> yeah, this yeah i can she say this be <laughs> i know we're all like i'm not saying a word I have heard that about Germany, where they're just like, we know, we get it, we fucked up, we yeah. once we put another statue up. I'm so sorry. We'll never do it again. Probably. He had a lot of bad reviews of uh, Germany, but it had nothing to do with their um, mea culpas. And he said a plus on the with- Holocaust, apologia. C yes. minus on food. He said D minus on like hospitality. Um, everyone, every single person's a Karen. Like all people you meet are Karens. None of They're this is shocking. Yelling at you for not putting like your um, earphones away properly at museums. They're always staring at you. Right, because he wasn't in like Bavaria, right? He was in like yes, he, he was in uh, Germany. <laughs> yes, not not um, cute Germany. Right, not like Wonderland Germany. No. Yeah. See that that was the problem. If he had gone into the woods, a magical right. squirrel would have brought him to a dragon. That's what I said. I was like, I think we just have to go to like southern Germany. I, I wasn't even there, but I guess I put myself in the Wii. Anyway, anyway oopsie doopsie. So, so Sorry. The I Holocaust was an oopsie doopsie, <laughs> says our, our, our Jewish co-host, Robin. Just going to point no. that out again. Um, <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> Let's cut this whole thing. How do we get on this? Cut. Because I, you said that I ghosted you, and it's true. I did. It was an yes. accident. I took a nippy nap. <laughs> you know that must have been a good nap when you don't know, like you lose sense of time and space. It's great. Absolutely. My, I my just like cons- enter the void. My concern is that the nap apparently extended until like eight forty-five. At, at which point, you pretty much fucked up your sleep for that night, haven't you? Not if you're really tired. No, not for medical reasons. <laughs> okay. I My issue, this is so much information that people don't need. I will plunge ahead anyway. I was violently sick all day Monday, so I was basically in bed the whole day. And then, like, Tuesday, I sort of got up, had to get my daughter to school, came home, like, made myself eat a small meal, and then took, like, a four-hour-long nap that I didn't really need. So like when it was time to finally fully normally go to bed last night, I just couldn't do it. Cause my body was oh. like, you've technically been sleeping for a day and a half. And I was like, yeah, but none of it was good. So anyway, I can assure you, I don't have that problem right now. Yeah. I'm so happy for both of you. Thanks. 
Anyway, I'm looking forward to going to bed tonight and maybe having a normal one. Um, that's great. I'm so happy that we've had this chance to talk. Clearly, Robin and I have not spoken to one another in a little while. <laughs> and uh, Sarah, I'm happy you were here for this. Anyway, Poor Sarah. It's 830. It's 830 no, it's for all of us. <laughs> it's great. I'm excited. I'm glad that Sarah's game for this. Anyway... Let's talk about a movie called American Fiction based on the novel Erasure by Percival Everett, uh, co-written and directed by Cord Jefferson, starring Jeffrey Wright and, oh man, so many other people. Um, who am I going to pick? <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if There's I just so said Adam many Brody? <laughs> oh gosh, that'd be great. In Black History Month, we choose... Adam Brody. <laughs> yeah. He's like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> this movie stars John Ortiz, Adam Brody, <laughs> Michael Cyril Creighton. No, you got to find more white actors to put in. <laughs> Michael Cyril Creighton is a white actor. <laughs> Patrick Wait, Fishler, Jen yes. Harris. Oh, I love Patrick Fishler. I forgot he was in this. Uh, I kind of did too. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Um, what else was I going to say? Actually, yeah. So it's it's Jeffrey Wright, um, Leslie Ogum's uh, Issa Rae is in this, Keith David in a sparkling moment, and uh, Sterling K. Brown. Let's leave it at that. I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of other people. It's a packed movie. It's going to be a fun conversation. Here is the trailer. How did you come to write this book? What really struck me was that too few books were about my people. Where are our stories? Where's our representation? Would you give us the pleasure of reading an excerpt? Yo, Sharonda, girl, you be pregnant again? If I is, Ray Ray is gonna be a real father this time around. Thank you. Monk, your books are good, but they're not popular. Editors, they want a black book. They have a black book. I'm black, and it's my book. All right, that is the opening of the trailer for American Fiction. This is out in theaters now. It has gotten a lot of awards attention. I actually legitimately have no idea how it's doing box office-wise. No idea. I assume pretty decently. (laughs) Anyway, we're here to talk about it. I'm going to do that while we throw to our guest. Uh, Sarah, what did you think of American Fiction? So I've seen it now twice. Uh, oh, the man. first time I saw it, I was really surprised. So Robin and I saw it together at the grand opening of the, and get me, you might have to correct me on the name of the theater, the Alamo Playhouse. Um, draft House. What is it? It's the Draft House. I think oh. they do beer. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't do beer, so I'm like, whatever. Also, I'm famous for butchering names. So, like, I go to everything, I do everything, and then I, like, get it totally wrong. You'd think they were all members of my family, the entire universe. <laughs> this is just... This I, is... I did hear you say Timothy Chamelet. But... <laughs> I'm That's... like, whatever. That I'm is, like, up lady. there with some of the shit that I said to specifically make fun of his name, like Tragedy <laughs> Chevrolet. <laughs> Like, that's incredible. I also love, this is so refreshing, because, like, I'm not, I mean, I don't, Robin might laugh at this, but I don't feel like I'm a film bro, but 
to oh, the film please. bro world, the Alamo Draft oh House. Oh my god, let me just watch Tenet one more time. You know? I am seeing Tenet on Saturday at its 70 millimeter You're release. Fuck. I'm at- gonna see it for the first time at some point this upcoming week. <laughs> I will see it never. <laughs> I'm seeing it in 70 millimeter at AFI Silver. If if this is released before then and oh anyone is listening. What's the aspect ratio on this? <laughs> I, I don't know what the aspect ratio is. I know it's in 70 millimeter. Um, if anyone is listening to this and wants to come and see a movie with me, come to AFI Silver Saturday, February, whatever that day is. I think it's the 24th at 515 at AFI Silver in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, we'll hang out. We'll get a beer. Um, Nice. Someone's gonna fucking take me up on this now. We will get one beer. I'm giving you one. I just. I'm not announcing my whereabouts. If you see me, we can talk to me after the movie. Okay. If after you see the movie. me, I don't know. I don't fuck with you. <laughs> no, I'm gonna just you. start. I'm gonna just start doing this. I'm gonna start giving people my address. Come and find me. Well, what's do funny is that. this has already become a thing because people know the distillery that me and my friend started and have been told to mail marmalade to me and none of it has ever come. So I don't think it's ever a problem. Our fan base is not that rabid. Um, anyway, can't remember why we started talking about. Oh, oh because I was talking about Robin and I saw it um, at right. the grand opening of Alamo, uh, which yes. is in like the seaport area of downtown Boston. It is. A chain theater, so I am unlikely to ever go there. But you know, you invite me to a movie, I'm going to the movie. So good job. And uh, they were showing multiple movies, and we both chose um, not pre-planned, spontaneously American fiction. I forget what the other movies that were showing there. I believe it was Elf like Dream, was one of them. Dream scenario, um, the boy and the the heron. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And there might might have even been more, but I but I we chose that one. Um, and so like the first time I saw it, I was really surprised because everyone was really heavy on the satire and I wasn't expecting the family angle. And then the second yeah. time I saw it at West Newton Cinema, shout out to my peeps there. Um, I moderated a panel afterwards. It was really super cool. And um, the second time I saw it, I thought it was hilarious. Like, cause I knew what to expect and I was like mm. actually paying closer attention. So I did like all this time I've been like, how is this a comedy? But then the second, <laughs> but the second <laughs> time I, I'm like, this isn't funny. Like this is actually really sad. Oh shit. Amazing. Cause Sarah, I feel the same way except I didn't <laughs> see the funny parts yet. Uh, yeah. So, but, the second <laughs> time, but the second time around I was like, okay, this is funny. But like, it took me like going through it once to then like let it settle but for it like funny over- ha ha. It was actually funny ha ha the second time around. Okay. But like the first time around I did not okay. find it funny at all. I'm like, uh <laughs> what, what was funny <laughs> to you guys? Um what makes this a wow. comedy? Um and we saw it in November. So the the real true screening before for the reviews was way earlier, but we saw it in November. And now the reason it's back in the world, just so that everyone knows who's listening, is it's nominated like repeatedly for an Oscar that it's not going to win, sadly, because Oppenheimer's going to sweep. But um, yeah, making so predictions. I love it. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I want or who like whatever. It's clearly going to be Oppenheimer. But um, but like it would be great if like Jeffrey Wright somehow pulled it out. But he literally didn't become Oppenheimer. So I think Killian. Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he could win like, for American fiction if in American fiction he were playing the role yeah. of Robert J. Oppenheimer or J. Robert Oppenheimer. If he lost so much weight that he fell through a crack in the floor, maybe <laughs> they would consider him. Maybe. 
if he's good. Robin, so, please try to keep your sexual fantasies out of this podcast. <laughs> I know how you feel about willowy, consumptive men. I do have fifis. Ooh, yeah. What is okay? Wait, before, we need to actually talk about this movie, Robin. You are really leaning into. <laughs> <laughs> the weird little abbreviation things today. Oh, that's just my life. I feel like I've not noticed it to this extreme before, but okay, I'm willing mm-hmm. to accept it's just your life and that's how you're feeling. Okay. I will I will say, Sarah, and obviously we'll get to our nutshell thoughts on this, but I did not find American fiction the first, and I've only seen it once. I didn't find it ha ha funny, like, oh my God, I'm laughing out loud. But I was definitely like, that's droll. Right. Like, Oh, amusing, but not, you know, I wasn't like eliciting laughter. Yeah. It's like when you're typing into your phone, LOL, completely stone faced and serious. (laughs) Looking at people giving them the stink eye, you're like, LOL. And then you're like, don't talk to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like when I write, (laughs) but not ha ha. Right. That Mm. kind of thing. I thought that was more like he he. It's never he he. It's like he he. I actually, God damn it. Now I got to see if I can find this stupid reel that I saw a friend of mine post and send it to you to explain the difference Sending between Sending me reels. Two. He's a real millennial dad. A real. Well, I can't send you TikToks because I hate sending TikToks to people who aren't on TikTok. Why? Oh, you're not. Okay. No. Yeah. Oh, can I say, well, we should talk about the movie, but I do have a little TikTok slander. <laughs> okay. Slander love- TikTok. Ooh. Love it. Oh, okay. Good. So I've been trying to get into TikTok because I'm old and um, I love watching it, but I don't record a lot. So I finally have the new website. It's renovated. I'm all happy. So I record this like tour of my website, my website. There's nowhere in the website, Comet, where I solicit money or funds because then that would require more like disclaimers and stuff. And I don't need that nonsense. So while I, oh, but hey, if you just suddenly want to throw a bag of money at me and it's all legal and on the up and up and I'm going to claim it on my taxes, by all means, but it's not on the website. So (laughs) I record the whole thing. There are also no people on my website. When I record the TikTok, there are no people. It gets taken down for two violations. They say it had sexually inappropriate content. (laughs) And I'm like, what? What was sexually inappropriate? The what, only did thing- you link your OnlyFans? <laughs> yeah, right. No, because if and she did that, <laughs> she'd be fine. That's- yeah. No, if I literally had my boobs out, I'm sure it would have been okay. But what <laughs> I did do, what the only thing I could think of was I did a search term to show how my search function worked. And I used um, transparent. And that's the only thing I could think of. And that is not sexually explicit if you're just looking at a poster of transparent. So I was like, oh, my God, did they do it because I was looking up transparent because that was the only thing that I could think of. And it's not sexually explicit. And then, two, they said it was a scam that I was trying to deceive people and, like, take their money. And I'm like, so, of course, I appeal it. Nada. So now I'm like, TikTok, you're dead to me in terms of, like putting up videos like if I put up a video it might be like a minute long or something but this was like a whole production so I walked my way over to YouTube and now YouTube and I are like best friends even though I prefer TikTok because you know you get more hits like instantly you can see something like YouTube's better for the Google for the Google but (laughs) but well yeah because one owns the other right so I definitely I definitely lurk on TikTok for my distillery I've started posting TikToks that are mainly just recipes yeah. And luckily I haven't gotten hit with anything like that. Clearly I'm not making sexy enough cocktails. Well, and the only mm-hmm. other thing I could think of 
was this is the first time I showed my face on TikTok because it wasn't my face. It was my about me page. And for the listeners, I am black. So there is this talk of like, there's a shadow ban that like the algorithm figures it out. And I never believed that, but it was the first time I showed my face in the terms. I'm not saying that's what happened, but those are the only two things I can think of that would like sort of hit the algorithm. Cause I'm like, I appealed it. I have no idea what they're talking about. So if you go to YouTube, you can see the tour video and judge for yourself. Yeah, tell us how sexually... sexy this video is. Yeah, yeah I was super... going to say, like, have you considered that you just have a sexy face? Right. Oh, I was about gosh. to say, like, I'm, I'm currently clicking around your website, furiously looking for the sexual content. I <laughs> I know, furiously. Like, let me know where it is. <laughs> I'm looking for it. I'm kind of annoyed that I haven't found it yet. What, I clearly what I need to do is I need to start saying the word cocktail more, more explicitly. Cocktail. I know. It's ridiculous. So cat. I don't know what it was. So TikTok yeah. just like turned me off there. So cat. I'm just going to stick to my cat. That's fair. <laughs> um, anyway, American fiction. <laughs> yes. So yes, Movies. funnier the second time. <laughs> yes. Still sad 100%. though. Very. All right. Robin Barr, you apparently saw this movie in the same theater. Yes, we did. That's bananas. Spoiler alert. Not really. Um, we ordered food together. We watched a movie. We didn't get that distracted by the servers, although a little bit. Um, yeah, that's why I've never been to an Alamo draft house. I feel like I would be so fucking pissed at the servers. It, you know, they do their best. They're, they do their best, but like, you know, that's not good enough. You're not supposed to be. I don't know. I mean, better blame person. Alamo Drafts House, not the server. Well, it's not right. the server's fault, but I mean, like, also they're there. Like, I, they are the avatar of. How the, dare you the take this morally reprehensible job? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Speaking of the Holocaust, like, just <laughs> oh just my doing, gosh, just so, doing um, your job, if like. <laughs> If you're ever curious, someone afterwards uh, did a post about what happened in Texas with that theater. And I'm not going to say what it says, but if you're ever interested, Google it. Because apparently there's all these allegations of like the poor employees are like, they're the nicest, most polite, wonderful, very solicitous employees ever. And they seem so chipper, but like, it sounds like behind the scenes... Oh, yeah. There was a whole blow up because like the guy kind of like gave the guy who owned it or started it gave like uh, this is not the right terminology, but aid and comfort (laughs) to that guy from Ain't It Cool News was terrible. And like, yeah, apparently. And like they also own Neon, uh, but people are like still, you know, filleting Neon. I didn't mean to say filleting, but I did it anyway. (laughs) Wait, Neon, the distributor of like some really awesome movies. Yeah, was like co-owned by alamo draft house uh, i had no idea. i didn't know no that point. i didn't know that now i'm nervous that i'm wrong but i'm almost positive that i'm right because i remember people were like uh cinestate is like you know like had an abusive producer and i was like why are we not talking huh. about the fact that alamo draft house is owned by or owns neon so anyway i'm gonna look that up while robin yeah, <laughs> continues to <laughs> talk about her feelings on this movie just yes, that please. i know yes, i'm not defaming a company that can ruin my life uh, so, you know, overall, I, I do think that American fiction is good. Um, I will say that, you know, the more I read and experience hype about the film, you know, a lot of the, I guess, superlatives that come with award season, oh, funniest movie, best movie, top 10, I feel a little bit 
less enamored with the film as it goes on. Maybe that's my contrarian nature. I mean, again, it's a solid movie. I enjoyed the experience of watching it, you know, from the beginning to end. But I did find that I was more taken with it as a family drama, which is not even really talked about a lot. Um, more so than I felt like the satire really hit. Now, maybe, Sarah, you're, you know, I, I'm willing to believe that, you know, the second time you see it or you saw it, you found it funnier. That kind of happened with me and Barbie, where I was so bogged down by the plot the first time I saw it that I didn't realize how much, how how funny I found it until the second time. So maybe if I saw it again, I would be more open to, you know, the humor. But I did kind of feel that the satire it was going for, which is about, um, you know, kind of harpooning how the publishing industry and also, I guess, like the studio system tends to uphold stereotypes about Black people. And, you know, and that's really what the movie's about. And we can, we'll certainly get into the the themes of it. I just felt like what it was saying and what it was making fun of kind of felt like 10 years old in a way. Like if this has come out in like 2013, I might've found it a little bit more biting or a little bit more cutting edge or innovative. Whereas I think we have seen enough. We have, who's we, by the way, but like I have certainly seen a lot of discourse around this issue. And so it didn't feel as funny to me or the, the parody didn't feel as funny to me as it might have, if it had felt a little fresher in a way, but I'm, I'm curious what you both think of that. Before I Ooh. get to my feelings, yeah. <laughs> let me talk about Tim league for a second. Um, so Tim league um, is indeed uh, the guy behind Alamo draft house and the co-founder of neon, the oh, wow. uh, distribution ah. company um, founded neon in 2017 2017 is also the year where we found out about what a monstrous piece of shit uh, Harry Knowles and Devin Faraci were. Um, and the employees came together and alleged that League and his wife knew about Knowles' problems and just told the employees to avoid them and, like, you know, didn't really do anything. And they alleged these incidents went back as far as 2000. Is he still associated with Neon? Oh, man. I gotta keep looking, I guess. <laughs> So I will say this about Neon, and this is what I know. Mm -hmm. Best swag of the yeah. uh, so that's best swag of the uh, when they're giving you the four year consideration stuff. Best swag. I love that box. I love it. I know no one yes. has a DVD player. I love it. I love it. Love so it. yeah, their their <laughs> little Neon box is incredible. I love it. Love it. Um, I am. I gotta. I guess I gotta look into this and see if he's still. But you first tell it's, us he's what you think of He's the... definitely the founder still. I don't know if he's still actively involved. And um, I don't know. Maybe Jordan will yell at me for now. Oh, wait. Here we go. As of 2019, League is no longer involved with the daily operations of the company. There you go. So we've got that going for us. Yeah. Anyway, I very much enjoyed this movie. Um, I don't remember when I first heard about uh, Erasure. But immediately upon hearing about it, I found the idea to be delightful. What a hilarious way uh, for a novel to be. So when well, I what, found what out... What is the concept of the novel versus the film? Same thing. Okay. Except, except, okay, in the novel, 
In the novel, this guy's fucking books are impenetrable. They he he gives a he gives like a, a stand up and the novel like is comprised of a lot of the writing of himself. And so there's like a section in the novel that I was like, am I supposed to skip over this? Because mm. it is impossible to read. It, it it like doesn't mean anything to me as a human being who is fairly well versed in the English language. And now I'm like wondering, do I have the book near me? Why didn't I bring the book with me to this recording? Because I was going to try to read that. And now I don't see the book on my shelf and it's probably in my bedroom and I'm not about to get up. But it's like it's all about like theory and all of his books are like retellings of ancient stuff like previous tales. And so that's one of the he's like way too literary and inaccessible. And so, but he's a he's an academic. He is, yes, fully an academic, and like, but and has had like very limited success as a writer, and is basically like there is the same thing where like there is this very popular book by someone who actually like has not lived that life, but is kind of claiming to, and he gets pissed off, and so he decides to write this book, and in the novel Erasure, you get the entirety of the novel oh. by pathology. Oh, oh. <laughs> we both had the same. Like, oh. <laughs> From start to finish, is it good? Like, is it a good story? It, she said whitely. Robin, I literally have no way of answering that. It is. <laughs> it, it, it it what's what's okay? The book is so good. The book is so good because you go from reading this like incredibly potent, deeply felt literary fiction about this man who likes fly fishing and woodworking and has a complicated history with his father who, you know, was like, you know, very distant and like, you know, cheated on his mom and his mom is like slowly slipping into dementia and his brothers just come out as gay and is getting a divorce and his sister runs an abortion clinic in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Right. Now the fly fishing isn't. Yes, the the woodworking, the woodworking. is right, right. So like, which is it very crucial? Uh, I mean, there's definitely scenes where he talks about fly fishing in a in a symbolic way, okay. um, and then there's he he tries to make a chair for his mom, but instead like fucks it up and like makes it into a table. So like <laughs> all of the stereotypical like literary tropes, but like they're really well deployed. And and then of course you get like these sections where he's like you know this is this is the uh, the thing that I wrote you know for this uh, this th- like this literary comp- like symposium I was in and I'm just reading it I'm like I don't know what the hell this guy is saying he's too smart for me um, and then he gets pissed off about everything and he can't sell this friggin' book and so he writes my pathology and the 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 I was shocked. I was like, oh, I'm like 30 pages in. This is still happening. Like there's this incredible (laughs) that this is still going on. Um, And it is just so dark and like so like super, I like the only way to, I mean like this entire point in writing it is, is to make this point. It's so racist. It's so (laughs) crazy. Like it's about like a 15 year old boy with like three baby mamas who his like highest ambition is to get a gun so he can rob a grocery store so he can like have like $300 and like 
it's it's nuts. It's insane. It's but it's again, it's really good, and you can still feel that behind this aggressively awful novel is a literary voice because he will still make these illusions and these repetitions where you're like, okay, right, there's something here. And you also know everything going on in the writer's life, you know, Monk's life. And so you can see the way that even though he's doing this as a means of sticking his thumb in the eye of this industry that seems to be rejecting him, he's still using it as a way to legitimately exercise some of his emotions and his feelings. And so it's, it's, it's a very like dense, complicated novel. And I recommend it to anyone. I know it sounds like it's probably like 4 billion pages long. It's not, it's actually incredibly short. Um, and it's really good. And I liked it, but I I was reading it and I was like, well, how the hell are they ever going to make this into a movie? Like they had to have shaved it down and they did because you don't get an entire mini movie inside of this movie. And the one scene that they have of him writing, which I think is like actually a really well done scene in terms of showing off what the writerly instinct is and kind of the best way to, to literalize that. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's it's like the guy who's the main character looks like he's in his early 30s. Like it's not, you know, the the barely in high school dropout kid who like dreams of being famous and all this other stuff. So it's it's kind of weird. They've definitely blunted the novel a little bit. I feel like you kind of have to. Um, even though I'm sure this one didn't cost that much money to make, I feel like if it really followed a ratio. Yeah, if it really followed Erasure, it would it would not have won Toronto. <laughs> Probably. So what did they blunt? So it was the woodworking, the horribleness of his novel, My Pathology, or fuck. And, and uh, <laughs> um, woodworking and then fly fishing. What else did they take out? So his sister in the novel, um, and in, in the movie, she is also, though kind of obliquely she is the head doctor at an abortion clinic yes um and in the in the movie they have him like go past an armed guard and everything in the movie his sister dies of like an embolism or a heart attack it's like a random Mm -hmm. thing in the novel she is murdered by an anti-abortion protester oh Oh, wow yeah (laughs) we're like oh well because if it was in a movie we'd be all like right that would be the that topic. would be the movie. <laughs> right. We'd be like, what like are revenge we for my sister. Right. That's a different movie altogether. Oh, wow. Yes. So there's oh, a wow. lot of, and you know, they, you just have to simplify because the, and in the movie, they don't like get into the fact that he's got, okay, wait, now I can't hear him because I'm talking about the book so much. In the movie, they don't get into the fact that he has like a half brother, right? No. I mean, right, he has a exactly. brother, brother, but there's not a, lo- a half there's a so lot he, the more guy had an affair. His father had an affair and had a child outside of the marriage. Yes. That is my recollection. <gasps> I am now wondering if I've made that up. No, I'm, I'm almost positive that like his dad had like a lingering affair with, I, I want to say like an English woman that he met, um, who was white, obviously, or maybe not, obviously, I don't know. Well, I but yeah, there's just a lot. There's well, a lot no. in the book. I'm going to say, obviously, because everyone keeps on talking about how they saw dad kissing a white woman and he asks Southie white or Brahmin white. Mm. Yeah. And that comes up like a few times, like every child says it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Every child says it. But so there's a whole thing where like his mom is like burning documents in the book and like (laughs) is like 
your dad your dad told me to burn everything in the blue box and monk is like that's a gray box and his mom's like oh okay and it's kind of like oh is his mom like encouraging him to look in the blue box but she doesn't want to like the what's interesting about the novel and i think this kind of translates to the movie is that like he's living this whole life and he's going through all this stuff that I think like in a white narrative would be the story, you know, and you could probably look at like recent awards bait and go like, Oh yes, here's the story of the guy whose mom has dementia. Like, yeah, yeah no, totally. Here's the story of like the abortion clinic worker who gets murdered. Oh yeah. Look at we- descendants. That's all the movies are freaking about. Who's yeah. going to inherit the house and who's in the fucking coma? And the yeah. father with Anthony Hopkins and he has dementia. Amazing movie. Right. Love it. Ripped exactly. Now that, that ripped my soul out of my body. Dude, that movie was hard to watch. Oh um, my God, way. I cry every time I see it. Yeah. I am oh. shocked that you've seen it more than once because even when I think about going back, I'm like, you know what I don't want to <laughs> go through again? Oh, devastating. But and but so it's funny because like again, all of this stuff is happening in his life. And you're you're consciously aware that you're reading this book that has this incredibly complex not stereotypically black narrative going on. But then the centerpiece that everyone gives a shit about is this horribly unnuanced, gross depiction of fake urban black life. And that's what's getting all the accolades and stuff. But again, there's still the the connected strains between the two. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's really good. It's really interesting. Now, that being said, first of all, hopefully I've done a great job and everyone has now ordered Erasure. Um, Will do. But, you know, this I'm movie... I'm going to read Percy Jackson. Not Percival Everett. Percy Jackson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Percy Everett and the Lightning Thief. That's a book I would read. Um, so what was I going to say? Yeah, but the movie... I mean, again, I walked into the movie being like, there's no way, there's no possible way that they can have the entirety of the book or even really, like, talk about what happens in the book because it's... It's just like the book within the book, I should say. It's just too insane. Um, but I was excited to see how it, it went. And I, I'm actually glad to see that they didn't drop the family stuff. Because my concern after having read the book was that they would say like, well, the family stuff's kind of lame and boring. We should really lean more into like this almost 30 rockish kind of like poking fun at the liberal establishment, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, obviously that that needs to be in there because that's a big part of his like his journey. But they really understood that the family stuff was where all of this like pain and anger was coming from and keeping it in there. And I think that all the actors do a tremendous job. I think that the movie is, you know, well shot, well edited. And I, I think that the movie delivers on everything that you would kind of hope that it would going in. And I think if you're going in looking for like a laugh a minute, trenchant like you know farcical comedy thing you might be a little disappointed but i think if if you like that family drama stuff and you want you know really heartfelt three-dimensional characters responding to kind of an insane situation um you're gonna be really happy about this movie and and it's only grown in my estimation since i've seen it and i've turned it around in my head more and i'm i'm excited that we finally get a chance to talk about it yeah yay you know i I, I forgot what I was going to say, but you just brought up such a good point um, that I think if the movie were only about the satirical elements, it might feel a bit hollow. Um, but I, I think the thing that worked the best for me was the, the family stuff, mm-hmm. because that that 
to say rang true because it's it's not like the other parts didn't ring true. I guess it was just the more tangible aspect for me. One of the issues I had with the movie and, and you know, perhaps I'm wrong for even feeling this way, but it didn't provide an answer or a satisfactory answer to everything that transpires. Um, like I, I never felt like I could quite grasp the argument it was ultimately landing on, you know, whether, cause there's this, this scene toward the ends where, so this character um, monk has a, a sort of a, like in his own mind, an aggressive relationship with Issa Rae's character, who is a, you know, a quote unquote educated woman who wrote a book in this vein. And, and he writes the book as a sort of uh, almost like a response to her work. Um, because she's getting a lot of accolades for it. And then they end up on this awards committee together and they have some conversations where at least toward the end, there's like basically one conversation that they have about the nature of that work. And she's sort of put in the position of apologizing or, um, or even explaining her work. And I think that's supposed to be like the most pivotal scene in the movie, but I find my, I found it a little bit, um, not a cop out per se, but just something about it didn't really answer the question that the movie is is asking and and maybe you're, you're just not supposed to feel like one way is right or or wrong um but i just i guess i was a little i i wanted something more to happen with the parody not necessarily that he's found out which would be maybe a little cliche but just something that would really hit and it kind of ends on this note of Oh well, it is what it is, and I don't know. I just didn't find that very striking. So I have so much to say. Do so please, I have the opposite. I have. I will say everything. So, and especially when you're on a panel and you're moderating, you can't say what you think. But oh my yeah. goodness, I've been bursting to say this. So <laughs> I love burst away, that, <laughs> bursting away. I love that scene between him and um, President Barbie. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. Because for me, um, I re I, so I love thinking. I'm sure as a lot of people do about clusters of movies, like themes and movies. So I put this movie in the category with like dream scenario and origin. And I think the two things that are so they're all stories about people in well-respected writing professions, whether they're professors. Um, or she's not a professor, she's a journalist, but she has the gravitas of a professor. And what totally. I think is really interesting about all three movies is you have two men who feel like I should be somewhere I'm not in life, and they're aggrieved. They're also fictional, but they're aggrieved. And then you have, and I feel like they represent the entire spectrum for in the movie world in 2023 of like the dream scenario is a man who hasn't put in the work doesn't deserve anything, feels like he deserves everything. And then with this movie, you have a man who did put in the work, does deserve more than what he's getting. It's just because of society, the way it's built, he's not getting it. So he's understandably aggrieved, but he's also closer to dream scenario than Isabel Wilkerson as represented in the film. Um, and then in origin, you have a woman who's totally unconcerned about fame or anything because she already has it. The value she gets isn't the fame or the adulation, or even the paycheck, which is talked about in the um, 
in the movie. Like in the real world, writers don't make a lot of money, but she is successful. She doesn't worry about that. She's more worried about the truth of it. And I think it's really interesting because you've got this whole intersectional argument that occurs in the Ameri- in the middle of American fiction that I think encapsulates this entire point, which is men, and I'm generalizing, of course, but this more phenomenon of men feeling like cheated because life promised them one thing. And I'm not saying women don't feel this too. I know I feel it sometimes, but men are promised something that from a child of like, if you do this and if you do that, you will get this. Women are promised different things, but we also have to like subvert a lot of the things that people try to steer us towards. So we're getting something different out of the whole experience. And the point that like devastated me in that scene was up to that point they were a unified front and he was really so he's got this like jealousy thing where he thinks they're competing and she doesn't even know he exists like they're not competing and so in that moment where she now and they were a united front and they were very similar he was surprised by that i don't think she was or not she just exists Mm -hmm. and then in that scene you realize how unserious he is because he never read the fucking book how dare you diss a book you've never read? Now, I don't disagree that, like, just hearing the excerpt and everything, it seems yeah. like, what are you doing? But when I realized he never actually read the book and all of it was based on, like, a cover, he revealed, and this is the point that I thought she did an amazing job of, she's like, I actually did research. I'm not being exploited. She also correctly reads that fuck is, like, a lame book and it feels <laughs> like it's pandering. She's right. She's actually right. She gets it even more than he does. And then she tells him, she calls him out on his respectability politics, which also traces back to his family and its dissonance with his family of like, I thought we were a happy family. I thought we were the Huxtables, but we were the Crosbys. And think about it, right? His family, there is a gynecologist, um, a series of gynecologists. And it turns out the father has a lot of like, un unrespectable behavior that's hiding under the respectability. So it's this really interesting sort of like almost unspoken response to the Cosby show of like, there's this image, but the reality is they're as messed up as anybody else. Respectability respectability politics doesn't exist. And he has to confront that. And what I think is amazing about the movie and what it does really well is for me, the movie is about a man who at the end, if he didn't change this idea of like, for him, purity culture in the sense of like purity of like, I am alone and I am so like right in my righteous self-righteousness versus compromise as actually a good thing because it brings you into community and being messy and compromising because you have to function. You have to live in society. You got to take care of your mom. You've got to be a real person. And so it was one of the few movies where it represents compromise as being a part of society and making a society. Is that society imperfect? Yes, because we've got a guy who's like, you know, he's selling out for a good reason and he is still getting hurt and he's having that, he's receiving validation finally about being a genius because a genius can sort of go from place to place and do high art and low art. He can do that. Does he mm-hmm. like it? No, but he's actually in community. So he's not going to end up like his father, which is like sort of the trajectory of the film where he's going to commit suicide. So that's for me, the whole story. I love that. I ate that up. Um, and I also love that, you know, the satire, I agree with you, Robin, that like, I love that the satire isn't 
the point. Like for me, it's not the point. It's the story of a man who really he's crying in his car. He's crying in the bathtub. He's all alone. And by the end of the movie, yeah, he might not have a romantic relationship, but he has relationships. He's now part of his family. He's part of a community. He has people who respect him and listen to him as opposed to like being at the other end of the table. So regardless of like where he is, he's in the world again. And it's kind of beautiful. And he has money for his mother's care, which is so important. (laughs) Real talk. Yep. No, I like that the like the main romantic win in the movie is his like housekeeper and this like, security <laughs> guard. I know. Which, Which I, by the way, I thought was a punk out because they missed out on class. Like whenever they said stuff like she's family, okay, maybe, but also like that's what like rich richer people or like mm-hmm. other people say when someone's not really a member of the family, you know, and they're so oh, we don't so even thought, think of Cordelia as a maid. We think of her yes, as family. She's family, yes. She's more like family. Cordelia, could you pick that up, please? She's more like yes. family than anything else. Yes, we like her a lot. Would you like these extra clothes that I was about to throw out? <laughs> <laughs> Not going to take you shopping. <laughs> <sighs> it, I, I feel like the romance that happens in that movie, you know, the, the sort of the family caretaker and this boyfriend that comes into her life is like the happy ending version of what doesn't not really happen in the holdovers, yeah. which is that Mary's character is courted by the school's custodian. And you're like, that's cute, but she's just like not feeling it at all. And no. it goes nowhere. And I and I liked that aspect of the holdovers. Like it didn't have to be, oh, this guy's gonna rescue her um after you know her son dies very tragically. But yes. Speaking of Boston movies. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, for people out there, American fiction um, it was shot in Situate and Boston. It was originally um, set in D.C. Does, yes, does it the was. Change, does the change in location make a really big difference, Brian? Not really. Yeah, Brian. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you, uh, they, there is a scene in the novel that takes place at Old Ebbets Grill, so they couldn't do that in the movie. Um a fancy restaurant that I've eaten at two or three times. Um, but no, generally, I don't think it's a problem. I, I, you know, it's not I, a problem. I was going to say, like, I don't know, Maryland's like technically a southern state, but it was like held through federal power and the suspension of habeas corpus. Like, does that mean anything? I don't know. Wait, say that again. So Maryland is technically south of the Mason-Dixon line, but it never seceded during the Civil War because um, Lincoln, like, used federal power to, like, suspend the Maryland State Assembly so they couldn't actually vote to secede. Oh. Which is why, to this day, Maryland has a strangely pro-secessionist state anthem. It's very odd. I'm going to listen to this episode and, like, let that simmer in my brain for a bit. Yeah, but also like DC isn't in Maryland. I think that his like beach house is in in Maryland. I think it's like close to Annapolis or something maybe. But I don't know. DC is the seat of power of the U.S. government. The U.S. government doesn't exactly have the best relationship with black people. Like that could be it. But I mean, uh-huh. like neither does Boston, right? Who oh, knows? No, Boston's <laughs> Boston has a textured history. Yes. So I mean, like that's you know, I feel like I feel like it doesn't really change much. Um. Yeah. No, I like everything that you said. I and like I said, like it, it it I like that the movie is able to take seriously his concerns but then also like show how unserious he is because again, he hasn't read the book. 
and he you know has created this thing and he like can't even take joy in the fact that some people might be finding something meaningful in it and um yeah i was wondering because the way the the book ends is again so metatextual and i would say like unsatisfying narratively but i found it satisfying narratively but i can't imagine that like a broad audience would um that I was curious how they do it. And it, I, I was concerned after the first like, like faux stop where suddenly he's talking to Adam Brody's character. Um, mm. <laughs> top line to Adam Brody. Um, <laughs> you know, that I was like, Oh no, are they fucking this up? But then I really liked the kind of like small conversation they had and getting to see like the different things that came up and then them kind of like admitting like, you know, you know, sometimes life is an unsatisfying narrative ending. Like what are we going to do about it? Because in the book, the ending of the ending of of his story of the story of Erasure is in parallel with the ending of the novel My Pathology. Because mm. um, both both of them have like you know a, a like a final like thing where the the main character is like, oh my god, I'm on television, and one of them is saying it excitedly as he's being arrested for multiple murders, and the other is saying it in this kind of befuddled academic way when he realizes that he's just stepped up to a podium and has a bunch of cameras fixed on him. Oh, so he does go to the podium in the book. Yes. He, he goes to the podium and, and stands there and is about to say something and then notices the cameras. And he goes like, God damn it. I should have brought this fucking book to this, this podcast. But he says something along the lines of, and I'm not saying this to be facetious. This might literally be it. He says like, my goodness, or oh golly, I'm on television. Oh. Because, like, that's the way he talks, and he's constantly given shit for it. Well, I'm glad they didn't retain his dialogue. Yes. That would have been mm, a little much. Oh, by the way, Jeffrey Wright, like, oh, the cast is, like, superb. superb. Yes. They're just great. They're great. Oh, 100%. They're- yeah. Jeffrey Wright's oh, my gosh. switching this movie like crazy. Yeah. It's incredible. His... I I love I love the scene where he's in the restaurant and he sees the uh the ambulance come up and he thinks it's cuz his mom has had an episode or something and he runs out and you're like really concerned about his mom but she's fine and then he's like I blew the interview and the guy's like no he called up he thinks it's so hardcore that you heard a siren and ran away Yeah <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. And it's one of those things, like, if you were looking at him as a human being, you would say, oh, that guy's, like, distressed and really concerned. But if you're looking at him as a, like, stereotypical, you know, black gangbanger, you're like, oh, dude, that moment of, like, human vulnerability was so fucking raw. This guy's a hardcore motherfucker. What I think is funny about it is, and I didn't see this one, but like, I feel like Jeffrey Wright has played convicts. And so I thought it was kind of funny that he has to play. It's kind of like Natalie Portman in May, December, where you have to play a bad, a good actor has to play a bad actor. <laughs> he's actually, he actually has played convicts or people who are at least incar- incarcerated. And so he can do it if he wants to. He I'm was. assuming. I don't remember, but I feel like it was like in an HBO movie. I'll look it up. I, I always think of him as like extremely erudite and oh, like nerdy. And I know that's his, his sort of actorly persona. By the way, he went to Amherst College. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Similar to Lauren Groff. <laughs> well, that explains but, why they're both so awesome. So, I, you know, when I picture Jeffrey Wright, I'm picturing like his character from 
Westworld. I was about to know, say, yes, are you sample. sure you're not just thinking of Westworld? It's possible. I mean, I've seen him. In, I mean, he's almost a character actor. Like, let's be real. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'm looking now. kind of amazing that he, you know, did get this lead role. Although I know he's in Basquiat. And Basquiat? Basquiat. Yeah, Basquiat. Basquiat? That was like one of his early you. things. Yes. Yeah. I think that was maybe his breakout role. So I know he's been in, in things that were, I guess, like on the grittier side. And I put grittier in quotes. Um, but he's really grown into like, it's almost like I have a hard time separating him from his character in American fiction versus the actor. Right. Um, yeah. He's in so the... he has played it twice in a movie called All Day and a Night, which I haven't seen. And OG, which I think that was on HBO. And I think he like produced that as well. Hmm. OG, also, the subtitle is The Journey Outside Start Inside. Love it. It's perfect. Um, I'm just picturing him doing like a very thespian version. Right, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The dark night outside my jailhouse window. Yes. <laughs> Do you guys watch Harley Quinn? I did the I think the second season is the second season where her and Ivy are like fully a couple. Uh, That's when they get together. Yeah, I fucking couldn't stand that. I liked it, but I think it does get better on three and four. They did that thing that I hate, where like they're setting up all this character conflict, but then they have them basically like recite therapy talk to one another, and suddenly everything's (laughs) fine. Yeah. And it's just like, it, oh, it you could have had more like in three and four. In you could have had like a really cool subtextually rich thing. And instead you're like, oh, you know, I think I just realized that it's because my dad never hugged me. Uh, it's all right. I'll hug <laughs> you. Well, I mean, Harley is a therapist. But it wasn't like, uh, I don't know. It, but but that, that's what the funny thing is, is. It felt like it was almost always Ivy. And it also annoyed me because Ivy was making all these concessions for Harley and Harley I'm like, no, she's a horrible person and you deserve your space anyway. Oh my God, you just want to freaking marry Ivy. Well, the only reason Ivy I brought deserves it up better than because, Harley. <laughs> wow, them's fighting words. Um, <laughs> wow, you think she deserves I, worse I, than Harley? No, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, they're, they're cute, whatever. I don't care. It's just a cartoon. But I was thinking of uh, Clayface as, you know, because he's always just doing his like sort of thespian thing. Oh, yeah. I just... There's a anyway, you just knocked the wind out of my sails with that comparison. But I'm sorry. I've been trying to make a good dinosaur joke for like five minutes and it's impossible. A flim I have never seen. (laughs) Why did you call it a flim? I don't know. I just had to. It just (laughs) it was like a compulsion. Okay, it's fine. Some movies are films and some movies are flims. Lady in the Water. I don't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just scrolling through his entire filmography now. Lady like, in the Water was not a good film. He was good in The Manchurian Candidate. He's good in everything. He might yeah. be in, like, stinkers, but he's, he deserved that paycheck. I don't know that he... Oh, he's in an episode I was just of, talking to someone about that. I like Kate Winslet is big dog shit at choosing roles. So I kind yeah. of think of it that way. Like... Yeah, I mean, not every movie is going to be great, but she's always going to be great in those not great movies. Like, you know who else is like that? Yeah. Michael Fassbender. He'll go in and act oh, his app off like he's guy. in. Oh, you like him or you hate him? Um, it's not that I like him or hate him. It's just that like every role he's in, he just plays such a fucking asshole that it makes me feel like he is one in real life. He probably. <laughs> 
but he's so attractive. Um, so uh, see, I fine. If fine. he is not thin enough to fall through a crack in the, floor, I understand. Right, I we've get already it. established that Michael Fassbender is far too healthy. <laughs> Mar too meaty. He is a meaty meaty boy. in the right ways. Yes, he's very attractive. I um, like me a meaty person. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Homicide, Life on the Street. He was in Homicide, a very good show that I just started yes. watching. I've never fully seen what, it. What a meaty I've maybe show. Seen an episode. I it own the box set that mm-hmm. is packaged like a um, filing cabinet. What's this show? Homicide, Life Homicide. on the Street. Oh. Rest in peace, Andre Brogger. Yeah. Oh, man. Andre, oh, Andre Brogger. I like, so that was I, rough. Dude, I was not prepared. I was very sad. He mm-hmm. is, in, as Frank Pembleton in that show, is like a fucking lightning bolt in every scene that he's in. He's so he's good. So good. Oh, he's so good. Why? Why is he dead? I don't know. Because God Ridiculous. is a masochist. No, it's called Black People Die Like a like we're all aging way too old because of stress <laughs> our skin doesn't crack but we're all i was like, about to say what happened to black don't crack we crack on the inside <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately <laughs> but unfortunately it seems like the rest of america is catching up because a lot of people are who used to historically be healthy they're all dying early too so soon we're all just going to plateau and just Well, I've got some news for you. It's kind of good that's happening because you've seen Social Security recently. It's not going to last. I know. We need to start dying younger. I know. (laughs) We need to get back to like those 1700s lifespans. I want (laughs) euthanasia laws and I want to be put out like a kitty cat. That's all I want. (laughs) Like... Just put me out like a kitty cat. I don't need to like, I don't, I'm not scared of death. Don't like have, I'm scared of pain. Cat. Cats have a decent death. I'm a human being. I don't get that stuff. Good stuff. As an Irishman, I don't think I'm fully living unless I'm in pain. So I'm, fine with it. <laughs> I'm good with it. There's oh, no. um, there's a movie that I've never seen called Live by Night. Right? It's directed by Ben Affleck, the director of Air, which is one of Obama's oh, yes. favorite films. Yeah, the director uh, of Air. The director. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> we didn't talk about the Obama thing on mic, did we? <laughs> So that was no, just that a joke that. that no one got. I know, but I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but so I've never seen that movie, but I really loved the trailer. And one of the reasons I loved the trailer was that there's a scene in it where there's this creepy motherfucker who says, you spend your whole life uh, hoping someone will punish you for your sins. And then there's a beat and he says, well, here I am. And it's clear that he's like, I don't know, a hitman or an enforcer or something. And every time I hear that, I'm like, God, I would love it if some fucking creepy ass Irish dude just walked up to me and said that. Because, yeah, yeah, I have been waiting for that. And, yeah, I'm ready, motherfucker. <laughs> Let's start punishing me for my sins. <laughs> anyway, I'm Catholic. Good <laughs> <laughs> stuff. American fiction. <laughs> American fiction. I don't think they're Catholic. They are not. It does not appear so. No, they're like having beach funerals and weddings outdoors. Actually, I'm thinking that was to save money on lighting. They're like, we'll do it outdoors. It's fine. <laughs> I did love the scene where they yell at their neighbor. I know. That was so great. You both, and kind of like they knew him. He's such a jerk. It's a funeral. They know him. He presumably knows the sister. And he's like, do you have a permit for that? It wasn't like some like, you know, Carl. 
instead of Karen. <laughs> yes, I, th- I knew what you were doing. I appreciate <laughs> that for it. the audience. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. I want to bring you along. So it, it was like someone they knew and that they don't. Oh, it's just terrific. Oh, can yeah. we just say Sterling K. Brown shirtless? Mwah. Chef's a kiss. lot in this movie. Well, we know Robin's not into it because he's not a. I know. We. Sorry. No, I mean he's a very handsome man, but I just wasn't really that into this performance. Like it was, I was much more interested in. Oh my god! I just lost her name. What is wrong with me? Um. Uh, I want to call character? her Rainbow. Why do I want to call her Rainbow? I don't oh. know. <laughs> do you mean? I think I know who you mean. Um, the sister, the sister. I just, I totally love. Oh, her I name. know why you want to call her Rainbow because that's her TV name. Oh, that's her name <laughs> on, in Blackish. Blackish. The Erica sister's Alexander? name is Lisa Tracy Ellis oh. Ross. Oh yeah, oh, Tracy yes, Ellis Ross. But you're right. On Blackish, she was Rainbow, <laughs> like, and on Mixedish, Rainbow. I'm glad was there was Rainbow. a reason that you wanted. There to was call a her reason. <laughs> I've got you. I know where you're going. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought Tracy Ellis Ross was fucking fabulous in yep. like the five minutes that she was in this movie, and then. I just don't get the accolades for Sterling K. Brown. Now, trust me, I love this man. He's amazing on This Is Us. What a revelation of an actor. But what is he doing in this movie that is so awards worthy? Like, I don't get it. Like, what am I missing? So what you don't get is he is a straight black man in society playing a formerly closeted now open gay man in society and not like wincing or puking or falling all over himself to say that's not really me so amazing shouldn't he be canceled for being a straight guy playing a gay man because he's black and he's straight it's so revolutionary i see okay but also he's hot so i'm just gonna let that go he's a very attractive man i like him as an actor i just i'm not like getting the wow factor in this performance but i agree with you i am sick and tired of straight guys so while praising him and not faulting i'm him, sick he, and tired of straight guys <laughs> i know i gotta finish that up straight guys <laughs> playing gay characters when there are probably plenty of unemployed gay actors out there who are like hello I'd like to I mean, play. I was joking, by the way. Like, but you're not wrong. Like, it's like, you know, some people can't get any work and then other people are getting work hand over fist. So I, mean, I was going like, to yeah. make a joke because you said unemployed gay actors. And I was going to say, but I repeat myself three times over. Oh, boom. <laughs> all week. It's a joke about gays, the unemployed and actors all in one. All week. Boom. Yes, I am here all week. Tip your waiters. Yep. Thank you. Um, no, I thought I thought he did a good job in this. I um, again, I appreciate the fact that there's like that they maintained the messiness of the novel for that character. Like in that in the novel, he's this guy who seemingly has his life together, but then he comes out as gay and is having an affair, and then like really starts to spiral out because he's like, "I'm going to live my truth now." But it's like sometimes your truth hurts your children, and like damages the lives of those around you and you can sometimes kind of be a fucking asshole when you're living your truth when other people are having to pick up the messes that you should be helping with yeah also i thought it was really interesting how every one of the children um were like self-medicating so he's constantly on drugs or like illegal or prescription um tracy what was her name in the movie lisa yeah lisa was went back to smoking um yeah. and you know monk was just 
on sadness um, and like not doing well and probably <laughs> well, he was drinking, drinking a lot here of and there. He was drinking, but like to be fair, that's like housewife stuff. So he his was pretty safe. Um, but like, <laughs> look at this housewife ass motherfucker with his red wine. <laughs> he was. I mean, like, there are housewives drinking him under the table. They're like, you got vodka. So I mean, yeah. So that's but, like you know, my. No sh- my yeah. favorite movie alcoholism thing is when someone is an alcoholic only with beer. Right. Like that. Uh, yeah. I was like, come on. That's not really a thing. The only time that I think that that's ever worked in a movie for me is in the way back. Robin, shut up. Is in the way back, way back. <laughs> where, where Ben Affleck, the director so of live by night and air Obama. And air. Favorite Never movie. forget. <laughs> Oscar, is it an Oscar nominee air? No. It should be. Anyway. No, I don't no. think he's got a writing accolade. <laughs> I know. That's so sad, though. Um, they tried so hard. They were, like, on that swag. They didn't try man. hard enough. They fucking released it in March. Yeah, that was lame. I mean, I forgot it was even on by the time the word season came out. I was like, that was this year? Like, yeah. I feel like Viola could have gotten something if it had been timed right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but because, she- honestly... Supporting actress lineup is so pretty weak. weak. Um, weak. What I'm what I'm going to say is I'm happy it came out in March because I do like having good movies early in the yeah. year. But at the same time, like maybe do something big in October to be like, remember Air? Remember how much we all liked Air? Remember how everyone was like, why are they making movies about products? And then we saw Air and we're like, maybe they'll be good. And then we saw Tetris <laughs> and we're like, maybe not all of them will be good. But then um, you saw Blackberry and then you're like, top 10, baby. Shit, yeah. I still haven't seen that. I got Glenn Howardson oh, is from Waterloo great. where the vampires hang out. I know. I didn't even and try to deliver vampires. that like he did. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was that? I can't even remember what I was going to say now. Oh, oh, so sorry. Ben Affleck drinks like a whole 30 rack of beer in that movie. And you see him slowly getting... Like sloppy drunk, not like other movies where people will drink like four beers and get whiskey drunk. So anyway, I like that. I don't I know what whiskey drunk means. Uh, I don't know how to explain it to you. It's like a more aggressive, sudden drunk. Uh, Hard alcohol. Whereas beer is like a weighed down kind of sleepy kind of drunk. Hmm. Yeah. Vodka, you have a Russian accent and say you're going to take over Ukraine. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, How about like you're a really good ballerina? Yeah, that's usually like amphetamines, though, isn't it? I don't know. Speaking of TikTok, (laughs) one of my favorite TikTok channels now is a ballerina who shows you how she breaks in her point shoes. Oh, wow. And it's like a lot of like stepping on them and twisting them and using like, like knives to cut out the shanks. Yeah, they go through like a lot of physical torture. Dude, it's nuts. It's awesome though. And like my daughter's in my daughter's in ballet, and I'm like, at what point are we gonna have to start doing this shit? Well, when she like when her feet start bleeding, you'll know that you've reached that point. Yeah. It's like, all right, check it out, kid. I'm gonna teach you how to butcher this shoe so it fits you. Does she like it? She loves it, yeah. Oh, cool. She's like seven, so it's not like serious at some point. Yeah, they're like, okay, like just if they stay in formation and don't like wander away, they're excited. Yes. And she actually, she was, she, I'll I'll say it again because I'm very proud. She was upgraded early to the next level. So clearly they see something in her. Um, What was I going to say? American fiction. Let's remember (laughs) remember the movie we're talking about. 
American we are just fiction. a mess today. No, it's good stuff. Good just stuff. full of beans, Robin. That's what we are. Speaking of Boston, it's mm. good stuff. I'm yeah. anti beans, so I, no. I'm not a big fan of beans myself. Like any beans? No, I'm just gonna say like Boston baked beans. I actually don't like them. I don't like the smell. What about they're like quite sweet? Really? Yeah, they're they're the yeah like the bushes baked beans and the sauce. They're I don't know. I enjoy. You know, them. sometimes I do a bean and a frank. Like that's that could be good. Beans on the franks or bean is the side to franks. You slice up the franks in the beans, behind beans. Oh, that's I don't like that. You never heard of franks and beans? No, in beans, like you get a bowl yeah, of beans like, and then you slice. Well, it's the hot more dog like franks it. and beans, but the franks are in the beans. Yes, so, I've heard of that, and I think that was served in school, which is why I don't like it. That is bananas. Oh, my dad made it for me. Mmm. Yeah, I hated the smell. It was disgusting to me. Mm, I love hot dogs, though. I had so many franks and beans, like, in college when the dining hall wasn't open. Oh, wow. My only protein. (laughs) I like hot dogs. Hot dogs are great. Yeah, I like hot dogs. I like hot dogs, but add the beans and I'm out. I respect it. Favorite hot dog brands? Oh, I don't even know. Nathan's. Cost- okay, yeah. Every- I agree with every single thing that Robin just said. Only kosher. Only all beef. All right. I don't. I don't do a, a ballpark. I don't do a, a semi pork. Yeah, no. I no, eat no. pork. It's nothing to do with, you know, being kosher or something like that. It's just that all beef hot dogs are god. Yes. My favorite. God. Is when I was a kid, I would walk down the street in New York City, and if I was hungry, and they were cheap at the time, I don't know how much they are now, I would just buy five dollars. I would buy a hot dog and keep buying them as I walked down the street until I was full. So those were my favorite hot dogs. That's accurate, and they're sabret most likely. Yeah, I mean it was just terrific. I loved it. It was like onions. No mustard and ketchup. I'm pretty basic. Yeah, I feel it though. I feel yeah, like. I loved it. Oh my god, I loved it. It's just not the same when you cook it yourself. But if you are going to cook it, it's a barbecue and a grill, not boiling, which is where I think I went wrong oh, because that's how my mom know. cooked it. Really? Like I don't know. I like my I mom cooked it. No, I don't boil a hot dog in a pinch. A I'll microwave dog. it. That's better than boiling it. What? I swear to God, I prefer the microwave to the boil. But like, obviously, the grill is the best. Because you like I a nice blistered dog. Yeah, man, I need some crackle and snap in that motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice when the skin is like taut as opposed to like it's all the same consistency. Yeah, that well, said, I like a sabre. I like a yeah. sabre dog. I like those too. I, I have done many a blind hot dog tasting cons, uh, concert. Not going to ask why. I would love it if it was a concert. I know. How about a tasting? <laughs> a tasting. Costco. Um, I would say Nathan's actually does taste better than Costco, but I like the texture better of a Costco. But this is not what I wanted to say. What I want to say is if you like a snap on your dog, I do recommend the brand Pearl. They are New England based. So I think only Sarah will have access to it. But Sarah, mm-hmm. if you encounter a Pearl, maybe at a market basket, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Get the Pearl hot dogs. See what you think. The snap is fab. All right. I mean, I'm on a diet now, so I can't have anything that I enjoy. But oh. uh, one day. Okay. If it doesn't work by the end of the year, I'm back. I'll eat it. I'm back, baby. I'm, I'm back. back. I'm eating preservatives. <laughs> it's great. Nitrates. The nitrates. <laughs> There's so many the fucking sun. nitrates in my diet. <laughs> my my <laughs> cheeks. When you eat nitrates, have you noticed that the like sides of your cheeks start to tingle? 
No. That has not that been a thing. That you know what? I think I just found out I have an allergy to nitrate. That's the same. Maybe this isn't. <laughs> I, no, you know, I like peanut butter. I just don't know how you guys can eat so much of it. You don't have that thing where you're like your throat closes up and your eyes water and you temporarily stop breathing. That doesn't happen to you? Okay. Noted. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that oh, I had that- a friend who uh, realized he was colorblind when he made an analogy and said that the grass was the color of peanut butter? Oh, no. Oh, that's so cute. Everyone looked at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're like, oh, honey. No. So I did review a show recently. I won't say what it is, but I did start the review out as this is the ugliest show I've seen in recent memory. And then I just went on to describe the desaturation of the palette was so egregious that this there's a character who's wearing this red dress, but I didn't register it as red. I thought she was wearing like burnt sienna like <laughs> brick orange. And they just kept saying, oh, your dress is so red. Like that my my eyes aren't seeing that at all. Like, why <laughs> did you do this to your show on purpose? That sucks. Okay. Anyway. So my brother-in-law, who's from Buffalo, New York, cannot say enough good things about Salen's hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Have you all ever had Spell those? It? No, S-A-H-L-E-N-S. never even. S-A-H-L-E-N-S. Sounds very regional. It is super regional, and he's like, they're the best, and like, I still don't get it. I try one every time we hang out, and I'm like, are you fucking positive about this? Are they like the very red hot dogs? Because I know that's very popular in like Maine. Um, I, I'm looking at a picture of them now. I guess, well, this one looks a little red. I don't know. I don't think they're that red, no. All right. Yeah. I will try them if I encounter them, but I, they are probably not as good as Costco. No, I guarantee they're not as good as Costco. I mean, what what is as good as Costco in this world? Literally mm. nothing. I was just in Costco today. It was great. I wish I could go to Costco every day of my life. Oh, my gosh. I feel like, why would that ever need to happen? Because <laughs> I need a hot dog every day of my oh, life. Oh, okay. I mean, I live oh, five yeah. minutes away from a Costco, so if it was just me getting lunch, I could do that. And I it's right. I probably go once a year. I go, like, once a month. Because I've gotten out of sync with... What are we even talking about? I've gotten out of sync with my (laughs) Costco buys. Because, like, my toilet paper and uh, paper towels and certain, like, meats I get one time. And then the next time I got to go back for the pasta and the butter and everything. And I need these things to sync up again. Because I go to Costco too much. And that's also where I I get my gas. only do Costco through Instacart. I, like, parking lots. They're too intense. Oh, no. You got to get I just don't have a car. You got to look around. Um, let's talk about American fiction. American <laughs> oh, yeah, that fiction, movie. where there is no Costco. There is no Costco. What's crazy? We all like this movie to some extent. We did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think know that's why we're, why we're like there. not slamming it. We don't have anything to slam. I know. Maybe we. All right. Let's. What? Are, what's your least favorite thing about American fiction? It ends. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like that's it. Like we're. I didn't here. love the ending. Actually, I thought it was it. it in refusing to answer its own questions it sort of left me a bit flat and yet i also understand why they ended on the note of like oh well is what it is i'm getting paid yeah i i you know what i could have used more like john ortiz i like i'm not even joking i I love ortiz yeah he's great great in everything um great and i i was just like i need like just a little more of him and monk 
like pulling the fast one. I think I could like as much as I'm like, I'm glad it wasn't all caper farce kind of thing. Yeah, I could have handled a little more because it was just so fun. You know, it was just like it's awesome. They were a good team and I thought it was super cute and I loved like the bromance. And um, I already said what I didn't like, which was uh, that part where I was sort of like, oh, now I've forgotten it. Like I started to say it and then my brain like took it away and <laughs> threw it out in the garbage. But I said it earlier. <laughs> so just like rewind, guys. I said it earlier what I didn't like. Well, but I remember you saying like, something no. about how their their treatment of the maid was like they kind of yes, like that was it. Thank juked you. around class. Yeah, I feel like they punked out in terms of class and making it seem like black people were above the class thing and treated people well. Whereas a movie like Passing was way more nuanced in that, like, black people are not above treating people in a lower class like servants. Like, everyone's like, you know what I mean? It was a cop out. Um, Because, you know, when someone's employed, the feeling of the employed versus the employer, two different, the employee versus the employer, two different things. They, and there was no nuance with that. Whereas passing was um, such a, I don't even, I hope it's still on Netflix, but uh, it was originally like released on Netflix. And uh, that was, a, that was a Rebecca Hall's directorial debut. Um, I don't remember exactly when it came out, but it was so good. It was like two years ago, I think. Yeah, it was so good. And I thought what made it strong was it was just as rigorous in terms of class as race. And that's where the film really punked out. Also, I'm curious, like, yes, he's making all this money so that his mom could live in this insanely expensive, but probably run-of-the-mill nursing home. But, like, <laughs> does he ever go back and like to his day job because hmm. you can only question. work on, on a movie set for so long the movie ends is uh, he must be on some kind of sabbatical i suppose well a, a, a forced sabbatical because <laughs> remember he got yeah. in trouble at the top of the movie yeah which i thought was an amazing beginning and i thought that was really good and that they sustained that theme throughout do you think he's an Excuse me. Sorry. Do you think he's an asshole? A little bit. Oh, Monk? He's got a chip yeah. on his shoulder. He was definitely 100% an asshole to the girlfriend. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. He's got a chip Out on his shoulder. Out of like a pure sense of, of guilt, I think. He, like he took... So he has all these like identity issues and he doesn't want people... So the funny thing is, in a weird way, she loved him 100% without even knowing it. She loved the worst side of him, which was that book, yeah, at, yeah. and him at his worst. And she loved him when he was, like, this being himself, like, right. who, this nerd who writes about, I guess, like, revamped Greek tales or whatever. I don't know. Not, if I, I can't even remember what, like, they kind of pitched it as in the movie. Because, like, wasn't one of his books called just, like, Frogs? Didn't she read a book called Yeah, like, like I don't know. It was very elusive. But, yeah. um... Yeah, they were a little oblique with that. But uh, yeah, so she like kind of loved him, even though she didn't know that she was loving him entirely. And what disgusting disgusted him about her was that she could. And like he really he fumbled the bag big time. And also what I loved is and I didn't notice it. I noticed it the first time I saw it, but I really noticed it the second time when she's like forgiving, forgiving, loving. But when she's decided to dump you, you're dumb. You're like, well, because the guy who came over, they weren't broken up yet. And she was already lining up like she's like in her head. We're broken up. It's over. And she's like, this guy is great looking. 
Yeah, shut up. Getting in the life raft before the boat's even sunk. She was just like, you're done. And so the minute she's done, she's very generous, very kind, very understanding, very like, everything's good. It's good. And like, he really took liberties at being like snide with a person in her own house. And after a certain point, she was like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. And good for her. Uh, But that was interesting that he was so snide with her. It was like really rude really rude so definitely he's an I might have given her. him a second chance i i don't know i guess i'm drawn to difficult personalities i um, think well because of the physical aspects of how he was displaying his anger i didn't like that even though it wasn't violent it was definitely like physical intimidation implication of the way he was throwing mm-hmm. things around in her house and like standing over her so standing's really important in the movie where people are standing how they're standing what the positioning is So the power dynamics are really shown emblematically with the way people are standing and congregated around a table. And so the way he was moving in her house and looking down on her literally and figuratively um, and like throwing the spoon in her house and putting down the glass and all those things just show that like she was like, "Ah, you got to get out of here, dude. Um, Red flag, red flag, red flag. I'm not saying he would have done anything, but it was definitely like this physical intimidation element that I don't even think he was intentionally aware of, but he was doing. I wonder if it's something he picked up from his dad. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, in 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 the book, they like really draw a lot of parallels about like you know the fathers and the sons and the mothers and like what everyone got from the fathers, the sons, the Holy Ghost. Yes. <laughs> who is the sister who was murdered? Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so like ooh. Talk about yeah. No, I was like waiting for. I was like, she's just gonna live, right? And then I'm like, oh no, they're just gonna kill her with an embolism or something. Not an yeah, aneurysm, heart attack. I can't remember. It killed her. Yep, she is gone. That, okay, so that was like my genuine surprise in the movie. Like, I did not expect that she was going to die so early in the movie. I was like, they got her just to kill her, and she was so vibrant, and there were no hints, and then all of a sudden, boom, she's dead. Yep, she is fully out. <laughs> she was just done. And I thought it was really poignant when the their mother is looking for her on the beach, which is where her body. So on one side, the mom sort of gets that she's dead and buried. But on the other side, she's looking for like the child version of her in the same location where she last saw her ashes. Oh, devastating. Yeah. Devastating. Right. And there's so much of that really good, devastating humanity in this movie. And then you've got that little soupçon of the farce happening on it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. And you get all the, I mean, like, it's some of the easiest comedy, but when it's deployed well, it's done really, really well. That little, like, writer's conclave they've got and, like, all the shit that those people are saying. Okay, so there was one character who, like, that, you know, like, there's an actor who, like, they make a meal out of their little part. I'm trying to remember, it was the one, um, Jen Harris, who played Eileen Hoover, the woman in the group, the white woman in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and she made a meal out of like every little line she came up with, everything she did was fabulous. You were like, oh my gosh, she killed that role. Yes. Killed it. Oh, she killed it. No, she was so incredible. I guess one of the issues that I have with this movie, and, and maybe I'm just not articulating this well because I'm not sure if the maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I should have seen it. Yeah, maybe I will see it a second time at some point but it's on i'm or it will be on amazon what's the deal no it's already on amazon for sure it's the question of whether i want to see it again but by the way robin i think you got a screener like a dvd so i don't know if you still own a dvd player but you might have gotten that uh we have a playstation 3 but that's that's a whole other thing um okay 
<laughs> I think I maybe. Well, okay. The question I have for myself, not even the movie, is: Am I, am I the person that's being parodied in the movie? And oh, one hundred percent. Um. Well. I, <laughs> I mean, yes, but like, am I, do I feel defensive about that? Then maybe that's the question that I'm asking myself because I do like a lot of media that is just tragic in general. Like I liked the movie Precious. I love the movie Color Purple, the original, um, and, and the book as well. I love the, you know, Frank McCourt book, um, Angela's Ashes, like I know that I am drawn to like regional tragic childhood stories in general. So am I, am I the audience for this kind of thing? Would I be, I I just don't think I would, I don't know if I would be hoodwinked. I don't know if that's quite the word, but like, you know, was I, do I feel a little bit like guilty or defensive about my own role as a consumer of similar sort of products. I, I just don't know. I maybe I'm just kind of not really well, what getting your gut the... say? What does your gut say? Do you feel uh, like it doesn't sound like you're defensive. So I think you're good, but I don't know. Yeah. What do no, you I feel? guess I fully admit it. Like I'm I'm you know not that I read like every single sort of hot new fiction about these, you know, about this types of subject matter. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of wonder if I would also be turned off by Issa Rae's character in the way that he is. Maybe I relate too much in some ways to him too, because I would also feel very eye roll if I had to sort of compete with that, sub- submit or succumb to, you know, these types of, like the art that I don't ex- that I don't respect or something, but I also just like love money at the same time. So like maybe <laughs> I wouldn't care. I'm trying to remember in the book if they make the the other author a character like that. I I don't I don't think she really enters into the story in the way that Issa Rae does in this one. I'm so glad then that she did because I right. love that character. Like we don't ever get to really see her. But I love what she, how her symbol changes throughout the movie. And I, at the end, I feel like she's the mic drop. And I love her in this. And Issa Rae, like, I never got to see Insecure, but I did watch what? her. I know. Mm-hmm. I Well, see, I was an early fan of her YouTube series. Um, yeah, that's Black so Girl. great. I was so into that, that by the time I got to Insecure, I was like, well, it's no you know, awkward black girl. So I I couldn't. They are different, but yeah, I I mean, her insecure is much deeper than awkward black girl. Like it's, it's maybe in some ways less funny or less overtly funny, but it's just a a deeper excavation. So friendship. So when I saw the first episode, I was immediately turned off because I was like, you're not a good friend. If you make fun of your friend. And for me, friends are like fierce ride or dies and like the minute mm-hmm. someone isn't a fierce friend i'm like well then they're not a real friend cut them cut them <laughs> get them out of your life Broken so i couldn't i couldn't Wait, go what did further you say, Robin? The- it's the song it's like she raps a song in the movie and sorry yes. in the pilot where she like basically does a a freestyle at a contest 
And she sings about her friend being like the broken pussy. And she, she it was, I was like out at that point. Cause I was like, how dare you humiliate your friend? I was, I, uh, did I not, thought it was hilarious. I'm sure it is hilarious, but if someone <laughs> that would like get you fired as my friend, cause I'd be like, ha, that was really funny. Anyway, I'm going to cancel all our plans and never speak you to know, you again. I will say Ravenclaws aren't known for our loyalty. <laughs> I, I, okay. Every time I take a Harry Potter quiz, I bounce between Ravenclaw and Slytherin. So I guess I'm a Ravenclaw Slytherin cusp. I mean, it's not like astrology. You're you're either one or the other. Well, I okay, that sword and hat's got to figure his fucking shit out. He'll take it again. <laughs> I live uh, really Ravenclaw. You're just like, what's the aspect ratio? Well, yeah. Which house cares most about aspect ratios? Definitely Ravenclaw. Oh. <laughs> that is 100% a Ravenclaw thing. Yeah. So American fiction, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I wish they kept funnier. the title erasure, but you know what are you gonna do? Um, American Robin, fiction. Robin, here's how you can fix your own concerns over whether you're the target audience. Get a copy of Erasure. Mm-hmm. Don't oh. read Erasure, but okay, read. Let's read. Read my pathology. Look <laughs> to the middle and just read my pathology. This is the thing. I think it. I think you. You do need more of the novel. Mm. to really get but this would be a completely different movie like to get to understand how fucked up it is that these people are singing the praises for this book because it is not just like a bunch of people dropping the n-word and like throwing guns around like it is ridiculously offensively awful again like a teenage boy like with like three baby mamas and at some point basically commits rape and oh no bridge yeah. too far exactly he's like a terrible human being but everyone is like oh like this is a scintillating like bracing oh, he's keeping it real yeah you know what i didn't like native son for that reason mm. hmm say more i haven't thought about that book in like a thousand years but <laughs> i, I was like about it since i was 16 but yeah. I was about I know. To say, all right high school flashbacks <laughs> get your books out everyone turn to page 150 yeah i was like what it's like um speaking of getting your books out i'm legitimately pissed that i didn't think to have my <laughs> copy of my you know how many times i've looked for it and just been like oh i could just show you oh no i can't because i'm an idiot no you know what at least you read it. None of us have read it. So I really appreciate the discourse you're bringing to this because I actually had all these questions about the book and no one I know has read it. So I'm really excited that this is like scratching an itch I've had for a while now. Like I'm getting the like cliff notes, audible version. So I like that. Well, I'll, I'll try my best. And to I read... bring nothing to this conversation. Oh, no. no, nothing at all. Uh, I'll try my best to read the entirety of Dune before Dune 2 next week. You mean oh, June? no, no, no. June do it. Did you say June? Oh, June. <laughs> I will say this about Alamo. I did like the chicken tenders. Uh, Controversial. Oh, uh, wow. Do you not like the chicken tenders, Robin? Hers um, were burned, I think. They were overcooked. And wow. the crunch, there was too much crunchy on it. Okay. Especially at a movie theater. That's not okay. <laughs> And mine, I ate when I got home, and I like cold things, so I loved it. It was, like, perfect timing. And we, so the tea in Massachusetts is not good at all. It's barely functional at this point. Like, nothing. It's our subway. 
I was about to say, but you, yeah, it's because you threw it all into the harbor, but you mean like some sort of mass transit system. Oh, that T and the T, the metro. So there's nothing in our transportation infrastructure that's working. The commuter rail is being fixed. The red line, which is our main line, is always going down. The green line was never strong and it's not doing much better. That's like an above ground tram, which is just like pure dog shit. And the orange line, I think they recently got new cars. A lot of people got recently got new cars and like they don't work. And like, it's just a mess. And so at the time when we saw it, um, like we thought it like really, it should have been like a straight shot, like a really quick trip. And it was like silver line. And then the red line was down. And so we had to take like oh, we took um, the shuttle. Yeah. We took the shuttle from part from South station to, Oh, uh, Park Street journey, and then we had to wait for like ever on the red line. Like it was like delays for no reason, and then we finally. So by the time we got home, I was like starving. So your chicken was chicken, ice cold, but the chicken <laughs> tenders were amazing. Like they hit the spot by the time I got home. They were did not make it to the next day. In batter, like I need way more chicken to batter proportions. That's fair. That is an interesting so statement. What it like? I don't know. It depends on the batter for me. Like Popeye's chicken tends to have too much batter for me. I, it's been a long time since I've had it. Like I agree with you. Like a chicken basket, you know. Like give me a classic diner friendlies. Oh, friendlies is perfect. Yeah. You know, God, I haven't had friendlies. Doesn't need to be overly herbed. No, no, just a slight little bit of herb. It's like a, a, a medium herb, yeah, a moderate herb. That's what the sauces are for. Exactly. Gotta get the that chicken is the vehicle for the sauces. Yeah. We've really lost it. Y'all. I worked in a diner <laughs> that had incredible chicken tenders, and I am fucking um, furious that they burned it down in an insurance scam. Oh. And then sold the land to Trader Joe's. Oh, no. They sold the land to Trader Joe's and then burned it down in an insurance scam. So they could get the money for the building that they knew was going to get knocked down to build a Trader Joe's anyway. Genius. I know. That fucking... Did they get the money? I'm pretty sure they did, yeah. You know, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Good for her. (laughs) Good for them. (laughs) Good for you. Good for her. Good for her. Um, All right. Uh, do we have anything else to say about this movie or are we just going to start talking about diner food now? <laughs> well, I did like info dump at the middle. So I feel like. No, but happy. that was like we could have ended there, honestly. Like, <laughs> we, we just there was no point to the podcast anymore. Yeah, we really <laughs> fucked up by letting you talk too early. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? OK, so I, I I would like to spend just a second talking about that that scene with uh, Keith David. When yes. he's, he's writing the book. Um, that was great. That was great. I loved that. I was like, I wonder what they're going to do. Like, are they just going to show a different movie? And I liked that he's sitting there dealing with the characters as he's writing. And they're like giving him shit. Because as a writer, I have felt that way before. It was very like a playwright. Robin, very playwright me play. alone. <laughs> I am such a Ravenclaw. I'm like, as a writer, I have wrestled with my character. I haven't even read this novel. It's unfair <laughs> that you're using it to make fun of me. Uh, that's what I'm here for. I'm such an Atreides, and you're such a Harkonnen. <laughs> oh my goodness. I got I that one. I do compare myself to Harkonnen a lot. <laughs> really? 
like way more than I should. <laughs> I, I too like hanging out this. in gross baths, and <laughs> being a slug dressed Did we all, all in black. Did Dude Two yesterday? Like, what is this? Uh, I I'm seeing it next week. Actually, oh, okay. I'm seeing it. Yeah, as soon as I can next week. I apparently have to make time to see fucking drive away dolls. Well, it's 86 <laughs> minutes that you'll never get back. So it's gonna. I'm gonna see more trailers than I'm gonna see movie. I'm gonna be annoyed. Just go late. I'd usually go on Saturday, trailers. but I've already no, got trailers. tenant lined up. I do for like that trailers. Day. I do like trailers. Love me a trailer. Yeah, yeah. I saw Dune Dune two last night. Uh, oh yeah, get, the wait, they have the what did popcorn? you think? Um, so I I'm the wrong audience for it, but I actually went for Denny Villeneuve, and I don't know if I pronounced his name correctly. I've been like a long term fan, but I kind of like him Denny V here to avoid Denny V. Um, yeah, DV. Uh, he so like he kind of lost me with Blade Runner. Like I loved everything he did up to that point, so I was kind of dragging my feet on like watching Dune, and I saw Dune one finally like right before Dune two. Um, not like right before, like early that morning. And um, like, so I had to work and it's like an That's 8, like right before Sarah. I was about to say, you weren't like watching it on your phone in the theater, but that's pretty close <laughs> no. to right before. Like wake up in the morning, immediately start watching it, um, which is a lot. It's a beautiful. So this is my line. And if anyone takes it, I was talking about it yesterday, you know that it was my line first. I'm going to write a review for my website, sarahgbitsandviews.com. Um, of Dune 1 and the line I said was this isn't an insult but it is the cinematic version of a meditation garden like with the like smooth like spaceships and all the sand and all that stuff like it felt like a meditation garden which is not a bad thing but I'm so not into like the actual so as someone who's really into sci-fi and deeply into mythology and everything this is even too broad for me. I've never been a fan of Dune. I know I'm saying something sacrilegious. So I was there for Denny. It's gorgeous, but I don't feel anything. It doesn't make me feel anything. Mm. So I think book. it's a, huh? Have you read the Dune book? No, no, no. And I haven't seen the series. I heard the series is amazing. So I appreciate the it. There's a sci-fi series. No, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Wait, what are you saying? The a TV show? Yeah. I haven't seen it, but there is. I am. I'm fact checking. I'm telling you. I'm almost positive you, she's right. I, I think you are too. But who the hell started it? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen it, so I don't know. But I will say this: I just think I'm not. Into oh, it. Frank Herbert's Dune. You're. I'm sorry. It's I, William I, Hurt. I should have believed women. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. You're a shit ally. Listen to women. Um. Yeah, no. No, so you I don't have to listen to them. You just have to believe them. Believe. Yeah, them. I was just like, how have how do I not know about this? I well, mean, now you have more fun in store for you. So, um, I and I, I want to using this with um this the Ursula K. Le Guin. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, something of Earthsea. Yeah, yeah. So I like it, here. but it's like broad for me. Like I like a message in a film, and even for this film, it's so broad that I'm like, oh my gosh, I get it. Fundamentalism is bad. Colonialism is bad. Like, Wait, at the I end of it. the last movie, it seemed like it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! Oh um, my I god! Read the whole. Like I, I don't know. I mean, the movies aside, like I read the whole Dune series is just this like treatise on Soviet imperialism like isn't that what the harkonnens are really i don't know dude i don't know 
I just like the worms. And like Afghanistan and the 70s. <laughs> Wait, is it? Wasn't it written in like the 60s? I I thought it was like more about I don't know actually. I mean, Afghanistan. So I heard that it's like Arabophilia, so I don't know if Afghanistan is the, supposed to be the analogy. Well, I don't think a- Afghanistan's Arab, but no. No. So that's why I think it's supposed to be a different region that inspired it, but maybe it just works on different levels as time passes. So I mean, it's you know, Orientalist either way, right? So it's the spices, oil, or whatever. I, you know, I don't care, and so <laughs> I just, I, I'm just so not. Into I, I don't care, <laughs> but like I'm just not into like. So you know what I mean? Like for someone who gets really caught up in mythology and everything, I seem to be impervious to this, which is not like me. Um, so I just don't think this is for me and everything doesn't have to be for me. Is it gorgeous? Yes. But I sort of feel like Denny, uh, DB, Denny B, um, he, I miss when he used to make things and I was surprised by them and they really arrested me. Now he just makes really beautiful meditation film, meditation gardens. And I mean, I've, that- I've loved him since prisoners and enemy. Oh, those are such good films. Enemy have you seen a... Incendies? I've not seen Incendies. I've not Dude. seen Polytechnic. I haven't seen I haven't seen, seen I Polytechnic. Know. I think I have that in my house. And I, I kind of because I saw Blade Runner, I was like, and eh, never mind. Um what else? No, do you see, I Blade okay. Blade Runner, I fucking love Blade Runner 2049. I, okay, tell me why. Um it's well, first of all, it's gorgeous. Second of all It is I, gorgeous. I there's something about its its view of humanity. And like how even with all of our like technological leaps forward and like the closest approximation we get to making a human, like a human, like we may miss like the true miracle of humanity, which is our ability to create more of ourselves and to like give life to life through life. I'm Catholic, let's remember. So like, yeah, that is so so like it didn't do that doesn't do anything for me. So. So, yeah, I guess because and now I'm going to own this. I didn't like um, one of the Avengers. Oh, yeah. It was like the Avengers where you find out that Black Widow, spoiler, 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 can't have kids. Oh, and my God. Well, I fucking hated that. Here's the thing. That does that. not so, always work on me. But no, and so for me, that's like uh, the minute I see that in a film, I'm like, I'm checked out. Like, I don't care. I th- Yeah, like that. that is a, a, a line of logic that I don't care for. But I think that related to humanity creating an entirely new species there's a difference there like i think that the black widow thing the uh, yeah i don't like we don't have to no i'm not saying that that, like no i think what you're saying is fair i'm just saying i didn't do it for me so yeah i love all his early stuff i love sicario Sicario arrival uh yeah arrival i love all of that i love all of that and then at blade runner i was like and we're done I think I, even I inverted saw, it. I think I thought that Blade Runner came before Arrival. I don't know no, why. No, it's after. Yeah, that's nuts. This guy is, okay, this is like a really norm core opinion. But this guy in like 10 years has produced an incredible body of work. And like, oh, yeah. not just in terms of quality, but in terms of sheer fucking number. Oh, yeah. I mean, and all his work is gorgeous. I would say the exception is Maelstrom, which is kind of ugly, but he was trying something as one of his early works, so it's kind of fine. Yeah, that's for back in 2000. I don't know. Like, it's, it's, he's got, and apparently he's got like the Christopher Nolan thing where like he's not difficult to work with. Everyone seems to like him. He comes in on time and on budget, and everyone's just like, yeah, what a solid professional he is. But I kind of like am sad that he's living his dream because I feel like his dream is like 
I'm bored by it. I'm like, he yay, wants I'm to so happy Messiah for Messiah too, right? Oh my god, Jane I'm never Messiah. gonna get him back again. I'm never getting him back again, am I? It's over. Yeah, no, it's gonna be nothing but Dunes. It's gonna be <laughs> Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune. I know. Return Dune to with Dune. a side of a side of fries. Dune, would you like some Dune with your Dune? Dune, back to Dune. <laughs> Welcome to Dune Burger. Home of Dune Burger. <laughs> Midsummer <laughs> Night's Dune. Oh my God. Dune 17, Dune it. Oh, I, I mean, like, God bless everyone who's having a good time and is super into Dune. It's just if you're not into Dune and you're into DV, you're done. You're like, oh God. I have like, never been into Dune. I've tried to read it and I found it interesting, but not so much that I kept reading it because I'm not like a palace intrigue kind of guy. Mm-hmm. At least not in terms of like reading it. So I'm just like, oh God, who gives a fuck? But like watching it in a movie, I'm like, oh, I enjoy this. I'm watching so I will say this. murder each other. I feel like Game of Thrones helped me get more into the mindset of Dune and be like a little bit more engrossed. 100%, now I, yeah. Because I like now I got groomed by House Game of Thrones <laughs> and they're like, okay, I almost like House of Conan. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I was laughing at the fact that you said groomed. <laughs> <laughs> I really did get groomed. They're like, okay, we're going to tell you about houses and why you should care about them. And I'm like, okay, I'm there for it now. Yeah. But it took me like a really long time. And I feel like as a result of that, I was able to appreciate this movie more. So it's just a matter of like, maybe I need another, you know, like entryway drug to really appreciate Dune so I can get into the world. But at this, this is going to sound like, like really yeah. Kath of me, but in this <laughs> modern world where we've gotten away from family mattering and like legacies and all that, you know, you do kind of have to take a minute to be like, oh, right. Maybe some people care about where they come from. And I suddenly it becomes important, like what your family lineage is and like what your family crest is. And I know I'm like, whatever. I don't care. I'm such an American. I'm like, ah, <laughs> well, it helps when like it helps because like I'm like, I'm a Rowan and like some other guys like. I'm an O'Hara and it's like, okay, we're basically comparable. But like in this, it's like, I'm an Atreides. We're decent, basic humans. And then someone's like, I'm a Harkonnen. I'm pale as fuck and I live in a bog. <laughs> okay, can we Yeah, what's the problem? And it's just like, oh, okay, there's a bit of a divide here. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> there's so many like albino or evil tropes. Like I feel like the albino community needs to protest. Oh, they, yeah. It's yeah, like, but it's every time thing. they try to make albinos sexy, they just end up making them vampires. Poor things. Like, no, that's not being, that's not having albinism. Yeah, but it's like close. No, it's not at all. You don't think that the aesthetic I work in disability between... services. <laughs> I feel like albinos always get cast as villains. I don't like that. I'm like, mm. yeah, powder wasn't a, a, a villain. Trope. Hmm? No, but he was considered monstrous. And he was also an alien, right? Yes, but those no, he was like born of lightning or something. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not my bad, bad. Born of woman. I like <laughs> a, you know, actually, you know, it's funny that you say born of woman, Robin, because one of my favorite books that I read last year was called Born of No Macbeth. Woman. Oh, no. No, interesting. No, it was not Macbeth. Um well I was gonna say something and now I can't remember what it was. Why are Sorry. we still here? We haven't we haven't I'm talked about you. American fiction in like 30 minutes. I'm glad we're Sarah, on to that you a different would... fiction. We're on to Dune fiction. Dune like going through a... everything. It'd be funny if we were like, well, we talked about many pieces of fiction, you know, <laughs> made in America. Right. We covered it. We really covered it. Yeah. 
Denny V is Canadian, but you know, Dune was funded by Warner North Brothers. North America. So, yeah. yeah. North American fiction. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, this has been an absolute delight, Sarah. It was so nice to have you back. And it was nice to actually be able to talk about the movie with you this time. Yes. <laughs> it I was a make... lot of fun. <laughs> I can't sure wait to I come back next time, too. I'm so greedy. I'm like, bring me back. I love talking for like eight hours about movies. Oh, my God. It's so great. <laughs> and hot dogs. And, and hot Costco. dogs. And chicken yes. fingies. Yes. All and right. behind well, yeah. the scenes of the grand opening of Alamo. Playhouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, let us know the next film that you're excited to talk about, and uh, Robin will accommodate because she is. Yeah, I'm accommodating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, this has been an absolute delight. Uh, that's all for today. Uh, join us next time when we will be talking about Drive Away Dolls, apparently. Yay! <laughs> top tens TV. Or top ten. <laughs> we, yes. Yeah, the, there's a possibility that top tens will sneak in sometime before Drive Away Dolls. Yeah. We will talk about that, that offline. Um in the meantime, don't forget to go to mubi.com slash filmstage to get your uh 30-day free trial subscription to Mubi, where you can watch a, another piece of uh satire of racial dynamics in America. Sorry to bother you. Um not sorry we missed you, which is Ken Loach's trenchant uh, polemic against the gig economy. Trenchant polemic? Ooh. Trenchant polemic. You a Rita. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what else? That's, uh, yeah, follow us on in- Instagram. No, follow us on Twitter at Film State Show. Uh, Facebook, The Film State Show. And, of course... You can find every episode uh, over at thefilmstage.com and go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. And once again, movie. Hooray. All right. Let's tell the fine people at home where you can be found between now and the next time that we talk about hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> we begin with our guest, Sarah G. Vincent. Where can people find your work online? Oh, my goodness. Where can't you? So remember, I just renovated my website at Sarah G. Vincent. Be aware. Do not open the website at work. It is got sexual (laughs) content. Apparently, yes. Tell me where you find it. If you ever find it, I'd love to know. Not going to do it. Where'd you take it down? (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'm at Cambridge Day uh, in between drafts, awards watch and alliance of women film journalists and who knows where else I'll be sometimes on the, I'm on WGBH morning edition with Jeremy Siegel, um, and Paris. And, um, sometimes I'm on very only one time WBZ, the morning mix. And so you never know where I'm going to be. I was even like in Australia uh, via radio to talk about the golden globe. So if you invite me, I will come. It, I, I love talking about movies. Any chance I get. That's awesome. We're glad to have you. Robin Barr, where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter-ish, I guess, at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Also on Letterboxd at the same name. And you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. You can find my personal site, BrianJerone.com. Learn more about the whiskey I make at InkwellWhiskey.com. And uh, follow me on all the social medias at Brian J. Rowan. I have a very strong hold on my brand. And um, other than that, go to thefilmstage.com for my writing there and for every episode of this year's podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in and join us next time. <laughs>